Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. This is Jerry Galloway, and I'm the pastor of LHA Church. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this blesses you, strengthens your faith to know that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, this morning, if you will join me, let's go together to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21 is where we're going to spend our time together today. Heard the story of a lady who died, and after she died, she found herself standing at the pearly gates outside of heaven. When she arrived there, she said, wow, I've really made it to heaven. And Peter says, well, you're here at the gates, but before you can come in, we just need to walk through a little bit and do a couple things together. And she said, well, what's that? He said, well, this may sound strange to you, but I need you to do me one favor. I need you to spell a word for me. And she said, well, what word is that? And he said, love. She said, oh, that's no problem. L-O-V-E. He said, great job. Come right on into heaven. And he said, you're going to have an incredible time here. She was just walking through the gates of the city, and he stopped her. He said, hey, can, can you help me with something? He said, I've got to run a quick errand over here. Could you mind manning my station for just a couple of moments? She said, well, I'd be glad to. He said, listen, just the same protocol. Anybody else who comes up, you ask them to spell the word. If they get it correctly, you just admit them right on into heaven. He said, and I'll be back in just a couple of months. So he scurried on his way, and she's standing there, and she saw someone coming at a distance, and she couldn't make out maybe who it was. And the closer they got, she thought she recognized. And then all of a sudden, she realized her ex-husband was coming to the gates. And she said, what are you doing here? He said, well, he said, I had a heart attack. He said, so I'm assuming I've made it to him. And she goes, well, 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 not too quick now. She said, before I can let you come on into heaven, she said, you've got to do one thing. You've got to spell a word for me. He said, well, what word is that? And she thought and she thought and she thought and she thought and she looked at him and he said, you need to spell Czechoslovakia. You know, as we consider this thought of heaven, we began looking at what heaven is going to be like. And the truth is, Dave, there's so many thoughts and so many opinions about heaven, who's going to be there, who's not going to be there, what it takes to get to heaven. So many uh, people build their thoughts regarding heaven on what they think God thinks. How many of y'all know we don't always do well thinking what God thinks? The Bible says his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. If we're going to understand, though, heaven, and we need to do so because as we've been in this series on life, death, and the afterlife, we need to understand this existence you and I have on this earth is not all there is to it. The day you were conceived in your mother's womb, you became a living being. The Bible says God has placed eternity in the heart of every man. You and I are eternal beings. So though this body, this tent may expire one day, we will continue on. It's important that we understand about heaven and what the Bible has to say and how the Bible describes it for us. We looked last week as we began together our time, we looked at four descriptions and characteristics of heaven 
from this 21st chapter of Revelation, and that's where we're going to spend our time continuing today. Last week, we found that heaven is a place where everything is new. Verse 5, God says, I am making everything new. How many of y'all could handle a new body? I like new things. I don't know about y'all. I don't get, there are some folks that like to go to uh, antique stores and shop. I like to go get new stuff. I don't want what somebody else wore out. I want to do the wearing out part. <laughs> I like new things. The Bible says, behold, I'm making all things new. Secondly, we found that heaven is a place where God is near. Verse number three says, now the dwelling of God is with men. He will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He's going to be near. As we have experienced his peace today and his strength and his presence Imagine with me experiencing the realities of heaven for all eternity. The Bible continues on. It tells us what's, you know, we often look at what's going to be in heaven, but often what we don't talk about is what's not going to be in heaven. The Bible says in heaven there will be no tears. Verse 4 says he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no death. There will be no mourning. There will be no sorrow. There will be no crying. There will be no pain in heaven. Heaven is going to put the health industry out of business. I'm sorry, Todd, you're not going to have a job when you get to heaven. He's going to use you to do something else, my friend. The next thing that we see is this, and it's a sobering thought. The Bible tells us that not everyone is going to heaven. Verse 8 says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, and those who practice Magic arts, idolaters, and all liars. Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Those are the things we talked about last week in the descriptions. And you know, the reality is heaven is going to be an incredible place. And for me to try to find words in the English language and if I were to try to hone skills in an orator and I were to try to paint a picture, I tell you, it wouldn't matter how fine that my words and my speaking skills came to be, they would never begin to even fathom or touch the realities of what heaven's going to be like. Heaven is going to be incredible, a place so wonderful, so incredible, our minds cannot even begin to compare or fathom its realities. We find John, as he is pinning these words through the Holy Spirit in Revelation 21, and he tries to give us a picture, describe for us what he is seeing. In verse 2, he said, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Friends, heaven is going to be more than you and I can imagine. This morning I want us to continue on and we're going to begin in that same chapter, the 21st chapter, and we're going to pick up beginning in verse number 9 this morning as we look at some more characteristics and descriptions of this place, heaven. Revelation 21 and verse 9, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain, great and high. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. 
And it's shown, this is a, a really important phrase, it's shown with the glory of God. And its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. The next thing we find about heaven is heaven is a place of God's glory. Often we talk about the glory of God and there are times that you and I experience a tiny little glimpse of the glory of God. Often in a, a, a corporate setting like this where we've come together as a corporate body, we will experience times and ministry through the Holy Spirit and uh, the presence of the Lord is so strong in the room. And then there are times in your own personal walk with God. There may be times you're in the car and, and the presence of the Lord just comes and fills the car. Or maybe you're in a room in the house and you're just there with the Lord. And wow, it's just like the presence of the Lord just rushes into the room and fills that place and we experience His glory. I would submit to you today, friends, those are but tiny, tiny, tiny glimpses of the glory of God. You know, throughout history, men have been exposed to small amounts of God's glory, and as a result, it has forever changed their lives. Luke chapter 2 and verse 9, as we are in a few weeks going to be celebrating Christmas together, we find this from the story in Luke chapter 2, and it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to them, speaking about the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Acts chapter 7 and verse 55 records for us the stoning of Stephen. It says, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, notice this, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Moses, the man who led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, Moses wanted to see the glory of God, but God told Moses, you cannot see my full glory and live. He said, but I will allow you to see the residual or, if you will, the swoosh of my glory as I go by. Heaven is a place that radiates the glory of God like nothing you and I have ever seen or imagined or dreamed of. John said that city was like a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. God's glory, it radiates purity. It radiates every good thing. We talked earlier in this service about peace. His glory radiates peace. You know, remember those times when you felt the glory, the presence of God, and it left your life forever impacted. It leaves you healed. It leaves you satisfied. God's glory radiates everything that God is. His goodness, His love, His power, His awesomeness. Have you ever had a day in this world where you walk through the day and, and pressures of life were all around you and, and it seemed like troubles were coming in from every side and, and it was life was radiating difficulties? And you know what that does to you on the inside, doesn't it? It leaves us stressed and frustrated and anxious often. Imagine, imagine being in heaven where everything in heaven is radiating the presence of who God is. Love like you and I have never begun to imagine or grasp. Peace 
Peace that is beyond anything the human mind can comprehend. His wonderful love, His peace, His presence, His goodness, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. One thing we can say is this, God is good. Can you say amen to that? God is good. Everything that is good. You know, you and I, we can't even comprehend because everything in this earth has been tainted by the fall of man. So every, even the good things around us are yet still tainted with the curse that permeates this earth. But friends, one day we're going to be in the presence of God. It's going to be more than we can imagine, more than we can ask, more than we can dare to even dream about. It's everything that God is will permeate our lives, our presence, and will leave us never the same. You know, we are heading into a cooler season right now. But in the summertime, think back with me, it's been a little while. When you'd be outside and the sun would be shining and the sun would shine on your skin and you would feel the warmth of the sun as it radiated into your body. So it will be in heaven as the presence of God radiates everything that is God, and we receive His presence. Notice with me, let's go on a little bit farther in Revelation 21, beginning in verse 12. Begins to describe this place. We've talked about some of the characteristics of what's going to be there, what won't be there, and now the Scriptures transition into an explanation and gives us some visual pictures of the place. It says, the city had had a great high wall, with 12 gates and with 12, 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The next thing you're going to find is this. Heaven is exclusive. Maybe you wonder why the walls, why the gates, why the angels guarding the city. Because really when we look at why does heaven need guards? Because after all, we've read through the scriptures and the enemies of God are in the lake of fire. He has vanquished his enemies. They have been put asunder. Victory has come to the people of God. But now we see the gates, the walls, and the guards. They help us in understanding a picture. Heaven is exclusive and I... We're going to walk through this a little bit in a moment, but when we think of exclusive on this earth, exclusive on this earth usually has to do with high-mindedness, with arrogance, with pride. You know, we're, we're an exclusive group. We can't, we can't associate with people like you. You're not up to our standards. That's what we, when we talk about exclusive, that's the pictures that we often get in our minds in reference to this place. But I want you to notice this. Look at Revelation 22. Over to chapter 22, verses 14 and 15. It says, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have right to the tree of life and may go through the gates 
into the city. For outside or are the dogs. It does not mean dogs in the natural sense, but it refers to those who have lived their lives in animalistic ways. Outside are the dogs, those who practice the magic arts. Do not take lightly witchcraft. No matter its form, no matter its visibility, God, if you want to know what God's opinion is, God never takes witchcraft lightly. Outside of those who practice the magic arts, notice what it goes on to say, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Heaven is exclusive. Heaven is not for everyone, and what we find in the Bible is that heaven is not for most. Why? Because Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are on that road. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and a few are on that road. Heaven is more exclusive than anything you've ever heard of. Exclusive meaning this, having the power to prevent entrance. Having the power to prevent entrance. The realities of heaven stands against modern philosophies of man that tells us there are many ways to heaven. The key concept to understanding the exclusivity of heaven is the number one. Number one says there is only one way to get to heaven. There's not three roads. There's not ten roads. There's only one way. Everyone who is in heaven or will ever be in heaven gets there the exact same way. There is one way. There are those who think that they'll get to heaven by being good or doing good. And we, you know, we get the idea, well, if I've done enough good things, then God will let me in. If I've been a good neighbor, if I've been a good husband, if I've been a good worker, if I've been a good, upright, moral person, if I've been these things, God will let me into heaven. But Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 tells us, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and this, notice this, this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The truth is, if it were by works, we would boast, wouldn't we? Well, I've done all these good things. I've been all this, and I've done all of that. Heaven is exclusive. There's only one way. There are those who say, I'm trusting in Muhammad. I'm trusting in my good works. Muhammad will get me there, surely. I'm trusting in the fact that I'm a good person. Others say there are many roads and many faiths that lead to heaven, but Acts 4 and 12 tells us salvation is found in no one else. Say no one else. For there is no other name. Say that phrase. No other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Say one way. 
Say it again. One way. There's only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, I am the gate. I am the gate. Again, in John 14, he said, nobody comes to the Father except through me. We are filled with a world. You know, often everything is painted so uh, terrible in our world, and there are terrible things happening. But I would submit to you today, in America today, there are a lot of good people in America. And I think in America we're relying on the fact that we're good people and we help in a moment of need or we help in this situation, we give in that situation, and we're just good people. And somehow we have the idea, because what we're trying to do is what I mentioned, we're trying to think about heaven and we're saying this is how God thinks, but it's really about how we think. That's why often we say, well, that's not fair. How could God do this? How could God allow that? How could God say yes or say no in this situation? And we try, but what I think we often say, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There's only one way. This life is my only chance and your only chance to get there. Friend, if today is your last day on this earth, then today is your last chance to choose Jesus Christ and to make yourself ready for heaven. Hebrews 9 and verse 27 says, And just as each person is destined to die once. How many of y'all know that's a truth we don't like to talk about? I like to talk about living. Most of us like to talk about living. We don't like to talk about dying too much, do we? Just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes the judgment. This is your one chance, just once, and then the judgment. One way, one chance, and one responsibility. So whose responsibility is it to make sure that you and I go to heaven? Often we think, well, surely I can go because I'm kind of going with the group. I go to church every Sunday. I go to church and I went to church my entire life. My parents were good, religious, up, more, uh, upstanding, moral people. My spouse is, up, is uh, a moral person. We're good people together. Listen, there's only one person who can make the decision for you to get to heaven, and that's you. Often I hear people say, how is it that God would not allow someone into heaven, a good person? God has done everything he can to get you there. God has done everything he can to keep you and I out of hell. God's already done the work. It's not up to God at this point. It's up to you. God's already paid the price. He's given every way possible for you and I to get to heaven. The choice is ours. Only one responsible to make sure the choice is done, and that is you and you alone. Heaven is exclusive. Romans 14 and 12 says, So then each of us will give of an account of ourselves to God. Revelation 3 and 20, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Friend, Jesus is waiting on you to open the door of your life 
to him. Heaven displays the glory of God. Heaven is exclusive. Let's go on in the passage, Revelation 21 and beginning in verse 15. Again, the angel is describing the city for us. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, as wide and high as it is long. He measured its walls and found it to be 144 cubits thick by man's measurement, which the angel was using. What this passage really describes to us is one thing. Heaven is big. Heaven is bigger than you and I can imagine in our minds. So big we can't even begin to fathom it. The Bible says the city, the wall of the city was 12,000 stadia in length. 12,000 stadia is equal to 1,500 miles. It says that the city is set in a square. It is as long and high and wide. It is 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles high. 1,500 miles. Now that sounds like a lot, but I would encourage you to grasp this picture. The atmosphere around the planet is 100 miles high. We're talking about a city that extends 1,400 miles past our atmosphere as we know it. 1,500 miles square. To give you an idea, the perimeter of the city would be 6,000 miles. If you were to go out today and get in your car and you were to drive 70 miles an hour for three and one half days, not stopping for a bathroom break, not stopping to get gas, not stopping at McDonald's, 70 miles an hour, three and one half days nonstop, it would take you just to drive around the perimeter of this city. Don't forget, the Bible describes it as God's house. Don't forget, it describes we're going to live there. He will be our father. We will be his children. The Bible goes on to describe the wall of the city, and it describes it in this way. It's 144 cubits thick. 144 cubits thick is approximately 200 feet. This room you're sitting in from the back wall to the wall just beyond the screen is 100 feet. The wall of the city would be double the length of this in thickness as he describes the city. Heaven is big. Heaven is going to radiate the glory of God. Heaven is exclusive. Last of all, and I think this is probably the one that we struggle with the most to adequately grasp it is this heaven is beautiful truth is we are drawn to things of beauty in this life God is taking you and I to a place that is so beautiful friend it would take your breath away listen to how the apostle John describes it in Revelation 21 beginning in verse 18 
The wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper. The second was a sapphire. The third, chalcedony. The fourth was an emerald. The fifth, sardonyx. The sixth, carnelian. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, chrysoprase. The eleventh, jacinth. And the twelfth, amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each gate, notice this. Each gate made of a single pearl. Wow. And the great street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Now imagine with me for a moment, we've been talking about the glory of God. Imagine the glory of God radiating through all of these colors. It will be more beautiful than anything you've ever seen. The human mind does not have the ability to comprehend its beauty. Twelve gates around the city, each gate made of a single pearl. I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to heaven, but my wife is really looking forward to heaven. (laughs) Guys, you won't have to buy this one. God's already paid for it all. The things that we experience on this earth, though beautiful as they may be, have always been tainted by the curse of sin. Beautiful homes, beautiful lands, beautiful mountains, beautiful oceans. Really, to live in America, we are incredibly blessed with the beauty that's all around us. I'll be honest with you, there are times when I see the beauty of this earth, and I am awestruck. Imagine for a moment, if you will, we are awestruck by something that is cursed, and yet we still find it beautiful. Imagine when the curse is finally lifted and he makes all things new, no more tainted with the wages of sin. Almost a 100 years ago, A Swedish pastor found himself wandering away from God. He somehow allowed his heart to get away from the Lord, and he began to make some choices in his life like often many of us have made choices that we wish we had not made. Because of his choices, this man ended up losing his family, his church, his place of ministry, He resorted to living a life that was filled with drunkenness and the abiding sin. He ended up in a prison because of his misdeeds. Later, he wrote these words in a journal. He said, I drifted away from God. And I became so embittered with myself and the world And all of the other ministers who looked upon me with suspicion. Somehow in that state, God broke through. How many know God can break through? 
Aren't you glad he broke through and found you? Oh, amen. Somehow in that state, God broke through and he touched my heart so that I once again called out to the Lord for forgiveness. After experiencing the forgiveness of God, he sat down and wrote a poem, and it is a poem that actually you and I would know many years later as a song and a hymn. The words of the poem are these. Like a dove when hunted, frightened as a wounded fawn was I. Brokenhearted, yet he healed me. He will heed the sinner's cry. Love divine so great and wondrous. All my sins he then forgave. I will sing his praise forever for his blood and his power to save. Then it went in the words you and I are familiar with. He, the pearly gates, will open. So that I may enter in. For he purchased my redemption and forgave me all my sin. Friends, you and I can experience the exact same redemption this man experienced. And as a result, for you and for me, not based on what we've done, not based on the person we've been, not based on our thinking or our processes, but because of Jesus Christ, there's coming a day when he, the pearly gates, will open so that I may enter in. For he purchased my redemption and he paid for all of my sins. Oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes white as snow. The old prophet said, though your sins are like scarlet red, yet through the blood of Jesus they will be white as snow. God has given us a glimpse of what's yet to come. I want to encourage you in something this morning. Right now in our culture, we are very absorbed with ourselves and things. Do not misunderstand me. I don't have a problem with having some things. I'm very thankful today I rode in a car. I'm very thankful this morning there was heat on in my home. I'm thankful for many of the things that you and I enjoy. But please hear me for a moment. Do not, do not allow the things here to keep you from there. Heaven is a choice. Often we put all of the blame on God. Well, it's up to God if he determines whether I can go to heaven or not. Absolutely not. Well, it's up to whatever decision God wants to make know what the Bible says. Jesus Christ paid the way for you to go to heaven. Listen to me, friend. If you go to heaven, it will be because you made the choice to accept God's gift of salvation.
Nobody just happens to get into heaven. Nobody just accidentally slips into heaven. Heaven is a choice. We're going to be looking, you know, in realities, you can't, we can't preach the Bible about eternity and just talk about heaven without talking about hell, and we're going to do that. But often people say, I can't understand how a loving God could send somebody to hell. I tell you, that loving God has done everything to keep you and I from hell. God has done everything to keep you, your family members, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers out of hell. God's done everything he can to keep you out of hell. God's already done the work. The work is done. Now the choice is ours. So if you go to heaven, you'll do so because you made the choice. Listen to me. If you go to hell, you'll go to hell because you made the choice. So that begs of us today, what choice have you made? What choice have I made? Listen, I don't get any special credits for being a pastor. There's no extracurricular things. I don't, I don't get anything extra to help get me there. I've got to get there the same way you have to get there. Folks, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You and I both have to make this choice to make Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives. And I want to say to you, my friend, today, listen, you do not need religion. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God has provided everything He can for you. Listen, the Bible says we are all sinners in need of a Savior. Romans tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus has provided the way for you and I. I want to ask you to consider this moment. Will you make the choice for heaven? Will you make the choice for heaven? I've been around long enough, and so have you. We've heard people say, well, listen, Pastor, one day, one day, I'm going to get my life right with God. One day, I'm going to make the choice. You see, I know very few people who say, yep, I'm making the choice to go to hell. That's exactly what I want, and I'm done with it. Most people in church and out of church that I come across Everyone wants to go to heaven. Everyone. But there's only one way. we got to make the choice. Have you made that choice? And the reason that I press that question to you today, listen, is not out of compulsion. It's not out of trying to uh, scare you. I'm not here to scare you into heaven or out of heaven. I can't do that. All I can tell you is this. You and I have no promise of tomorrow. You know, the truth is, uh, a few weeks back, Paula mentioned this morning how great it was to see Kelly be able to come, and he's slowly building strength back. But, you know, Kelly was here and on the platform, and in a couple days following that service, he had had no problems that we knew of, no problems at all. And then all of a sudden, he was so close to stepping out into eternity in the matter of just a couple of moments. And so I want to encourage you, and I want to ask you this morning, have you made the choice? Have you made the choice for Jesus? Have you made the choice for eternity? Would you join me for a moment and let's just pray together this morning? 
Heavenly Father, Lord, today we just look to you. Father, I just ask you in this moment, Father, if you would just come and be with us in this room. Heavenly Father, I ask you in this moment that your presence would just come and, Lord, that you would just minister to us. Father, you would minister to each person in this room. Father, today, we're trusting in you in this moment. And Lord, I pray today, Father, you would just touch each person. Would you touch my friend Maury today? Father, would you just touch him in his body? And Lord, would you just strengthen? Father, would you touch each person that walked into this building today? Father, you know our lives. You know everything about us. So, Father, I ask you today that you would just speak to our hearts. And, Lord, that you would minister, Lord, to each one. I'm trusting you today, Father. And I'm counting on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, would you just leave your heads bowed for a few moments as we're in this time together and uh, time of together in prayer this morning. Friend, if you've not yet made a decision for Jesus, I'd like to ask you to do that today. I'd like to ask you to make a decision for heaven. I told you a couple of weeks ago, we can make the choice and some say, I'm not ready to make a choice. Listen, no decision is making a decision. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you'll just speak to our hearts this morning now. Lord, help us to make ourselves ready and be ready for heaven. Help us to take the necessary steps to be ready in Jesus' name. Now, friends, with your heads bowed, I just want to ask you, have you made the choice to make Jesus the Lord of your life? And have you made the choice for heaven? Please hear me, friend. This is not about one day I'll make the decision, Pastor. One day I'm going to change things. I want to encourage you today to make the choice today. The Bible tells us today is the day and now is the acceptable time. So friend, this morning, have you made the decision for Jesus? With heads bowed, I'd just like to ask you this morning, friend, right where you're at, if you say, Pastor, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, and I want to make absolutely sure that I'm ready for heaven. If that's you, would you just lift up a hand this morning and say, please remember me in prayer this morning, Pastor. Please remember me in prayer. Yes. 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 How many others this morning, while I wait, you say, please remember me in prayer this morning, Pastor. I want to make sure that I'm ready for heaven. How many of you will join these that have lifted a hand? Yes. You can put your hand down, friend, after you've raised it. Any others? You say, please remember me in prayer today. Yes. I don't want there to be any confusion today for you. 
you can leave here today knowing that you know, that you know, that you know you're ready for heaven. Any others while, while we wait, please remember me in prayer today. Yes. Here's what we're going to do. Heads still bound. We're going to pray a prayer together. Listen, friend, I can't make the choice for you, but what I can do is lead you and I in a prayer together. All across this house, we're going to pray. You say it's that simple. It really is that simple. We believe and we confess we can be saved. So this morning, all across this room, would you pray this prayer? And friend, if you lifted your hand, I just encourage you, just pray this prayer from your heart today. Dear Lord Jesus, I understand today that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to provide my salvation. I believe Jesus died to make me ready for heaven. So today, I trust you, Jesus. Forgive my sin. Cleanse my life and make me new. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I receive your ability to make me ready for heaven. I choose today and for the rest of my life to serve you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The greatest thing that can happen. Amen. Amen. I told you last week, the Bible says the angels of heaven rejoice even over one soul coming to know Christ. Listen, friends, this life is so busy. This life is so hectic. This life is so distracting. I want to encourage you in something. Don't forget, the best is yet to come. This is not it. The good things here is not it. So don't put all your eggs in one basket. The best is yet to come. Heaven is going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I just thank you today that you've been here with us. I thank you today for your grace that is sufficient for our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you have paid the price to make us ready for heaven. Thank you for making every provision you could Lord, we're so looking forward to being with you one day. We're looking forward to all that you have prepared for us. Father, I pray today you'll encourage the hearts of believers all across this room. Grant them strength and peace in the name of the Lord. And now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. In Jesus' name. And all the church said, amen and amen. God bless you today. May God's strength be yours. Have a great day. God bless you all.